Hey y'all, this is Max with People Not Things, back here in your podcast feed for the first time in three or four months. We took a break over here at the podcast uh, for two really big reasons. One is at Llama 6, our creative studio. It's a small business, and like many other small businesses, we got hit pretty hard by the pandemic. We kept doing the podcast a little bit after the pandemic started, but you know our day-to-day got really strange, and business was really slowing down. We've been lucky to survive so far, and we've been working on some future plans that are really exciting. The second reason that we paused for a little bit was we really wanted to give space to the important discussions about racial justice that were happening. The last podcast we recorded was the end of May, and that was really this tipping point of those conversations and all the content and the folks that were getting elevated on Instagram and on Twitter and in podcasts and people who had written books and done all of this great anti-racist work and racial justice work, uh, especially people of color. And we really wanted to give space to that and give time to people to be able to consume and educate and elevate and empower those voices. Uh, so we took a little break. All of that said, we really did want to get back onto this podcasting thing, as a lot of folks have asked us about it. We had also recorded this great conversation with our friend Alex Hammond, and we wanted to make sure that we honored her time and energy, as well as shared her really important insights in the podcast. So here we are, a great podcast. It was recorded a little bit ago at the end of May, but we think you'd like it. You're listening to People Not Things, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs, marketers, and creatives to explore how people are the critical connection of our work and ask why we often take them for granted. My name is Max Kirchhoff, and I host this podcast with my business partner, Isla Murray. Our business, Llama 6, is best known for our bold visual identity work, innovative marketing campaigns, and our commitment to collaboration and critical thinking. We're sitting down with entrepreneurs, creatives, marketers, artists, and others to talk about their passion, their process, and how they stay focused on the people and relationships that matter. Hello, welcome to another episode of our podcast, People Not Things. I'm your host, Max, with my co-host, Isla. Hello. Today, we're joined by Alexandra Hammond, who's a multidisciplinary artist and ambivalent utopian. She also runs a solo branding agency, and we've actually collaborated with her previously on some work. Alexandra's agency is agency.alexhammondstudio.com. Um, we want to say welcome, Alex. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing great, and thanks for having me. It's exciting to see you guys. Yeah. So uh, do you want to tell us, I guess, a little bit more about your work as both an artist and running your branding agency and sort of anything else you're up to these days? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I'll qualify first by saying that I think I'm, I'm a less ambivalent utopian than I used to be. I think I'm more ready to be full-blown utopian, even in these trying times, even right. more in these trying times. But um, yeah, so I have an art practice. I'm um, primarily a painter these days, but I also do conceptual projects. Oftentimes they're conversational performances where um, the audience actually participates to create the work. Um, The current project that I'm working on is Museum of Me. And it's a guided visualization. We could chat about that because I think it's relevant to what we're going to talk about today. And um, also I, in my branding work, I work with mostly sustainable and regenerative ventures. And I also love working with individual creatives um, because those are kind of the things that I care about in this world, you know, ecology and, um, creative thinking. So awesome. That's, that's cool. 
Yeah. We get, I think we can both sort of relate with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And ideally, oh yeah, I would love to only exclusively work with like creatives or in the ecology space. That would, yeah. that sounds really inspiring too and like feeding your soul a little bit. Absolutely. And I think the thing that's interesting, I find interesting about kind of ecological thinking is that it really encompasses any, I, I, I feel like with my work, it's like many of my clients are, are um, just individuals and organizations who are kind of thinking about whole systems. So it's yeah. not like I do work with conservation organizations and, you know, people who are in like parks and open space, but it's also like, you know, product, food, um, hospitality in some cases. So, That's you cool. know, it really, damn it. That's great. That's really great to hear. So I think the topic we really wanted to talk to you about today is something we all have briefly discussed previously, um, which is really like how us as creatives and I guess generally people, like how we have to find ourselves seeking outside of approval, but we really need to be looking inside more. Um, I know that's something I struggle with a lot, um, especially I think, like I said, generally as a person, but also in the creative space too, is like looking for uh, other people's approval on, on things that I design or create or make. Um, and really not looking inside. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I, it's hard. I think it's hard to even understand the difference between those two things. For me, certainly, yeah. I, I, we're, it's so deeply ingrained in me to seek out others' approval that it's yeah. very, very difficult to figure out what my own is. Yeah, it's such a great point, and uh, you know, such a, a fine point to put on it, Isla. And um, I mean, in some ways, you know, I'm really interested in like meditation and non-dual philosophy so i'm like the self is not real and like the self and the other like who even knows what the difference between those is but of course um like we do experience life as individuals so yeah uh so i think there's incredible value in you know in finding whatever that sort of internal compass is and um it's interesting because I'm thinking about Museum of Me, which is this guided visualization that I created to, that I initially created for the museum space where the idea was that, so basically the project goes that we all do a meditation together and we um, take a tour basically, we imagine our own bodies, our own selves as a museum because all of us contain stories and knowledge and um, precious things and kind of values the same things that a museum conserves for a whole society or a whole culture. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes we are looking outside for what those values would be. And the museum of me journey, when we envision our own selves as a museum, then we get to take a tour of what's going on inside us and sort of just what arises in the imagination. And so when I yeah. first started that project, I was like, this is for museums. This is for, this is so that people can, you know, go to a museum, have this experience and then have a more empowered relationship with the museum, a more empowered kind of conversation, if you will, internal dialogue with like what's on display. Yeah. But I realized that, and I realized this through quarantine actually, because I started to do the project just on Zoom with people remotely. And I realized that like, okay, this is totally not just about museums. This is about, it's not just about our conversation with museums for, and for those of us who are really interested in, you know, modes of display and museums and culture and how it's created. 
that's awesome, but not everybody is interested in that. But this is really for everybody because we all, you know, can benefit from kind of taking that interior journey and just like being with the stuff that comes up. And oftentimes it's like really random and weird, but then we get to figure out like what it might mean to us. And um, it's a magical experience. And I think that um, it's not something where it's like, oh, okay, so this is what my museum's about. And now I know this, these one, two, three things about myself, but it is like, wow, like this is what I have knocking around in my subconscious that I didn't even know about. And like, what could it, what could that be about? Um, So I think so much of like the inward looking is just like being with questions and just like being with what's in there and being like kind of cultivating like a non-judgmental look at it too. Cause sometimes you see stuff that you really don't want to (laughs) see. And we all do, you know? So that's um, so, yeah, that's interesting. I, I very recently, I think there were these topics in my own personal life that I had realized I was just like very comfortable being brutally honest about mm. with myself, um, which I think is kind of like what you're talking about of, yeah. and, and for me, I think I'm like going to be, I think we're about a similar age. I'm, I'm in my late thirties. Um, and I know you just had a birthday and mine was yep. just a couple months ago too. 39, um, baby. Yeah, same, same. Um, End of days. And I feel like there are these certain like topics in my life that I talk about a lot that I hears about a lot. Like one is like, what am I actually good at and all that kind of stuff. And like, what is my like, this is a really funny one that I don't think people find to be too vital necessarily sometimes, but it's like, what's my work style? Or like, what's my learning style? Or what's mm. my, you know, even those um, uh, Enneagram tests and things like that. I am so, I have such a bad, like, I don't ever want to be categorized in those ways. And because of that, I've really prevented myself from like learning things about me in the way, like, what do I truly enjoy doing? What do I like? What am I actually excelling at? Because I always felt the social pressure for it to be something different maybe than what Mm -hmm. I inherently was good at. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've, I, I be in being brutally honest with myself have sort of like come to this new phase where I think I'm just tired of not knowing. And Mm. so I decided I was just going to like be really open about it with myself and be okay with like letting people down if it's not Mm. what, or letting, actually I should even say letting myself down by not like doing what I thought other people expected of me, if that makes sense. Um, Which is such a strange place to be, but it's also really nice to feel. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to, to kind of give yourself the, the running room, so to speak to, and the compassion to be like, yeah, like that's not really, um, that's not really what I'm offering. It's not the, my highest kind of contribution. And, um, yeah, it's so interesting how we set up these like hierarchical judgments of like, what would be like the, the best personality type or something. And I think it is really reinforced by, society because we hear these kinds of things like about like you know extroverts are more successful or like tall people have 30 percent better chance of uh you know doing well in a job interview like we just hear all kinds of stuff like that and you know a lot of it is super contradictory and obviously those things are just things that I made up just now (laughs) to say but like yeah there's so much of that because we're all just like trying to gain a foothold onto some kind of like stable 
thing that we could understand. It's like, okay, well, like this is what I have to do to be okay. And so I'm going to try to like be in these particular um, boxes and I'm going to try to like have this, you know, the best kind of what I've deemed to be the best, safest kind of personality type, the best, safest kind of MO of working with the best, safest kind of, you know, team building placement. And, but none of that is actually, uh, first of all, there's no better or worse types yeah. if you believe in the types and then yeah. also like there's so much flexibility within all of them totally. and all style flex you know and it's also really empowering to be able to undercover not only what you're good at but what you're bad at because like I know for yes. me as soon you know realizing that like the devil's in the details is like there's a big devil in my details and oh, yeah. that is just not my strong suit and I tried so hard to make it my strong suit thinking that that was just like the most important thing and showed the most like together organized person. But as soon as I could like let go of the fact that I'm just not not gifted in that way and focus more on the things that I can do well, it was such relief. Yeah. But you, you know, guys- society isn't set up that way. Oftentimes I've had people in my career, like tell me, you know, I'm not going to be successful because I can't deal with the detail things and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because there's, well, I'll, I'll tell you guys a story. I'm, I'm like a little dyslexic and, um, and I, I dyslexic sisters. I'm a really bad speller. And I just recently sent off a proposal to a potential client and she was like, Hey, actually my last name is spelled this other way. And I had misspelled her name in the proposal. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was like, so, I mean, in the past I would have been even more humiliated, but it was, but the, the thing about it also was that I had like checked and like checked thought, it 15 times because yeah, it was a hard totally. name for me to spell. And I knew that it was going to be a little bit of an issue. So like, I feel like almost that energy that I put on it, that nervousness, like made yeah. me wrong too. I completely relate. I'm sure Max yeah. can tell you a hundred <laughs> stories of where I've done that. It's so embarrassing. Well, He's always having to yeah, go ahead. It's, it's that's a, an interesting one not to go too off off on a tangent, but I never sort of really understood um dyslexia or dyspraxia or like any sort of like of the comprehension and and like um motor integration stuff. Um, and Megan has actually, my wife, Megan has explained a lot of it to me because she oh had, God. you know, as a kid had some of these things going on and still does. Um, and was really underserved by uh, education as a lot of people who suffer from those are. Um, and, and then I actually ended up watching some video that really taught me a lot of empathy for people. And it was just a guy explaining, he's like, imagine you checked it 25 times and you don't see a problem and you send it. And then somebody replies and they say, look at this obvious problem. And then you see it. And he right. was like, this is the experience 100%. for somebody yeah. with that. It's not that they didn't look at it. It's not that they saw it and didn't think it was important. It's that they literally didn't see it right. and can't see it. Right. And and like in their cognitive space of their head, like it's just not there. <laughs> like, <Okay. laughs> and, and that to me was so um, humbling to like think about it. And so like even with Isla and it's like, to just be brutally honest, and I, I mean, I think Isla knows this too. It's like, it is frustrating for me sometimes, not as like, I'm mad at Isla, but I like, we'll see it in a design or something. And I'm like, oh, I wish this was right. And then I look at my own shit and my own stuff's wrong. 
like some of the times too and other people are seeing it and being frustrated with it i'm like oh this is just like the moment where i as a good like business partner and friend am just like yeah i'll correct it because i see it or right. like i'll help in that way instead of just being like why yeah. did you do max it right? like, I, we have like right. a slack we have like a slack channel for every client and max is always me like could you rename that and spell it this way because like i just will like especially i don't know if it's the same for you but if there's numbers and letters in it it's like game over <laughs> like yeah. what yeah um and i'm very it's funny letters and numbers are way easier for me than words um i think just because of my own math brain stuff but yeah. um but yeah, it's going back, I think, onto the approval thing. Um, that's really interesting because that's such a, a, a cultural, like social narrative around around those things that lead to like approval seeking too, right? That, yeah. that you literally need to change your own like neuro neurobiological self in like yeah. an impossible way to please right other on. people. <laughs> so you're right. setting yourself up for failure and then there's all this negative self-talk and you just feel like the worst all the time. Right. Right. And I think, you know, um, I, I really identify with this idea that like, you know, kind of, uh, it breeds a certain kind of perfectionism because, um, you know, the, like, there's kind of like this, like, I feel like having like this, not being as, as intuitively strong in kind of like, you know, small details like spelling and like certain other kinds of like technical ordering of things. I was like, okay, well, like that's what like, like a business person, for example, somebody who's like good at, at the kind of running of their business and is going to be successful is definitely somebody who really understands that stuff and like has a handle on it and is like organized and, you know, knows how to do all their bookkeeping and like blah, blah, blah. And once I realized that like, you can get help for stuff that you're not good at and, you know, like lean on your team, like you guys are doing because you have, you know, um, complementary skills. And just to, just to be able to be like, Hey, you know, this is not my strength. Like I have a lot of other strengths. Um, yeah. but like, this is not one of them. So like just being able to, go there, which is relatively new for me in the past few years, I would say, um, has just been incredibly beneficial, like for my business, um, for my art, like, and I think it's also really beneficial for my clients because, you know, that's not why they're working with me. They're not working with me to be a spell checker, you know, yeah. um, they're working with me for, ideas and for like the integration of language and image um and for you know thinking differently and sort of like seeing where they're positioned in the world and that doesn't have that much to do with these other skill sets which are important because of course they convey a level of like seriousness and a level of rigor in a certain kind of way that you do need in the world like we can't be going out there like delivering brand identities where client's name is spelled wrong <laughs> like i mean i wouldn't notice i wouldn't even know that like kleenex is like misspelled on the box i'd be like no Ooh. no way <laughs> <laughs> i know but i think that um you know coming in with that knowledge of self to the client so that you know if there is a mistake like that to be able to be like whoa hey sorry like 
I'm responsible for that. Should have double checked. Um, it's something that I struggle with, yeah. you know, is, is way better than kind of, I've been in situations like, you know, in previous jobs, for example, where it actually ends up being a situation where like, you know, one person gets really embarrassed by the fact mm. that there was a mistake made. And then it becomes this kind of like a uh, blame game because there's shame associated with it. There's shame yeah. and there's like, okay, now the client won't think we're professional. They're not going to trust us. And there's going to be, um, you know, blowback from that as opposed to kind totally. of like embracing it and being like, whoa, sorry, I'm responsible for that. Um, I can understand why this is, this is a big deal and we're going to fix it. Um, but I think that's also just showing like maturity as, as a whole. Like I know yeah. that for us, there was, or for me, as there was a big turning point in my career when it was more of a conversation with a client instead of a, yes. let me pitch you my idea. So right. like, I'm going to talk you through bad ideas and I'm going to talk you through how I feel about that. And I want to hear how right. you feel about that. And we're going to talk about some good ideas, but right. it isn't like, hello, I'm a very professional artist and here is a perfectly spell check deck and we're going to go through it <laughs> and you're going to be wowed by my genius. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. And I think um, especially I find this to be related to technology a little bit too, because I think that um, just the field of branding and marketing has changed because there's less control over like what the images get put out in the world because it's not so much about like polished advertising these days. It's like about social and um, about being in the conversation and like many different permutations of what your brand could look like. So I do feel that it's the conversations that I'm having with clients are more about message and strategy and kind of like intention yeah. and as opposed to like, okay, here's your full, I mean, still, of course, like deliver, you know, logo files to people and stuff, but like, here's your full brand style guide. And like, everything is going to, you know, follow this, these parameters and is always going to look like this. And we're going to hire mm. the same photographer and all this kind of stuff. Like there's just a lot more kind of flexibility, uh, baked into what yeah, like need. brands need to evolve with the conversation. So they're comfortable with that from the get go. Right. Yeah. But right. back to kind of what we were talking about before, I'm really interested in it because I still don't think I understand it. Like I was thinking about it before we got here. I was like, cool, we're going to talk about like self-approval. And I was, yeah. and I just don't get it. Like for me, approval is just so deeply wound with others. Like yeah. my, my core, what I want in life is connections and love with others. So I'm kind of like, what is my own self-approval? Alex, tell me. I know. Well, yeah. Or can yours, I, yours, yours, yours. Yours. Tell me mine. <laughs> I'll create a self-approval uh, manifesto for you. I love that I approve of for you. How does that sound? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, and I think, I do think that on a real metaphysical level, like the idea of the self is so highly intertwined with the everything that I don't, and on some level, I don't think that self-approval is even real because I don't think the self is real. So that's a, that's a different topic. But <laughs> <laughs> So let's just wrap but, it up and start yeah. again. But let's, but yeah, but let's stay in like this world that we're deciding to occupy right now. Um, and so, okay, so I can, I can only give you 
uh, I think the best way is through an example from my life recently, which is that um, I'm, I'm part of this leadership program. It's called Heartcore Leadership. And it's, it's a transformational leadership program. And you do a lot of like screaming, yelling, crying, and then you like get down to business and see how that, how all the stuff that you um, kind of brought forward uh, plays out in your real life. And um, so part of the program is uh, creating a goal, like a project for yourself that is a big stretch for you and that you get to work on with the, with coaching and with the team that you're working with. Um, and so when I first started the program, I, my, my vision project was to get to secure a solo show with a New York city gallery, um, by June that was in, I guess, early April. And I was really sticking to the guns of this project idea because, um, and actually the coaches were like, okay, like that project though involves somebody else. Like, it's not something that you can just, it's not a way of being like, it's, it's a, it's a thing that's kind of like a check, check mark. And I was like, no, no, no. Like this is going to be my project, whatever, because I couldn't even, I couldn't conceptualize a goal that I could set for myself that wasn't like getting an A yeah. from somebody. And so I was like, that's my project. So mm. then when the pandemic happened and quarantine happened um, and just throughout the process of the leadership program, we were given an opportunity to rethink what our project would be. Um, and you know, it was partly because of just being by myself a lot during quarantine and like kind of having this new reality come through and, and also just, you know, the art world has changed profoundly because we don't have openings right now. Like who knows what's going to happen with galleries, et cetera, et cetera. Like I just started to think about my art making differently. And mostly it was because I, how, of how I was spending my time and I was spending a lot more time in the studio. And um, it was just really clarifying for me. And I realized that like the real, the thing that actually felt scarier to me than like having to change my, uh, my project or having to like, you know, ask for studio visits from gallerists or curators, the thing that actually felt like more unstable was to be like, okay, you know what? I declare that my goal is going to be something that I am completely in charge of that just involves my own self-approval, which is that I, my goal is to create a new body of work, 12 art, artworks with between, this was April and June. So, you know, I'm getting towards the finish line here, but like, to actually say like, yeah, that's my, my goal is something that I'm going to say, yes, you're an important enough artist that you get to go mm. to the studio. You get to, you know, work on your paintings before you check your email and, you know, answer mm. somebody else's projects and that like you get to have my trust as me that, that clarity is going to help you serve your clients better. It's going to allow you to make the art that will get you your solo show. And it's going to just 
allow you to actually like share your vision with the world. So like that actually, it still feels to me like, I'm like, ah, like, is that true? I don't know. Because it's like, if somebody else tells you like, okay, yes, you're good enough. You get an A, you won the award. Yeah. You get the show. I think that's like, yeah. you know, but you don't know because there's always yeah. going to be something better that you want more, you know? I mean, I think the most beautiful sentence you said was that you are like worth it as an artist enough. I'm obviously not remembering what it was, but I feel like that was like a little aha moment for me in your story. Cause it's like, I think I am good at making myself checklists and going through the motions and like staying busy, but it's never, but it's not in the same way that you're expressing it, which is really from a place of self-love and like the fact that you're showing up and doing this and making it a priority but it's not just like to relieve anxiety. It's like to like grow as an artist in this really special way. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a slight difference to it, which I'm probably not articulating, but. No, be- I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I totally feel it in that way. And it's like one big aha for me around this was that I think I had an idea for a long time that like, there was something a little bit selfish about making art that like, it's, you know, like what, what's like, what's up with the paintings? Like they don't matter, you know, like they're, and you know, you can, you can debate about that obviously like in art school and, and in, um, in the art world, we debate about that all the time. It's an important conversation at the same time. um, You know, when I started to realize that, like actually this is my gift for the world and that like sharing a more poetic perspective um, is like what I'm here for. Um, You know, it, it, and of course, like that does involve like checklists and like creating budgets and writing proposals and interfacing with clients and all kinds of stuff. But like the purpose of it is not to check off the boxes and to create a filing system. And, you know, for some people actually that is their vision and their purpose and there's incredible value to that. But like, for me, that's not what it is. So, um, so like actually being in like generosity with what my purpose is and showing it to people because I, and I know that that's the truth because I think Isla one way to know, what's true for you and what, um, what your own approval is, is that it's going to feel really freaking uncomfortable and you're going to be like, ah, like, (laughs) how can I even do that? It sounds like it feels insane. So that's how you know. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'll look out for that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Hunt it down, hunt it down, hunt your own discomfort. Alex, I know we're coming up on time here. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Any final thoughts or thought brain explains, brain explains? Ooh. I don't know where that goes. <laughs> well, um, I am so happy that you guys are creating these conversations because I think that um, one of the most incredible opportunities that we have um, at this moment of collective awakening that we are experiencing because of the global pandemic is the way that we can speak to each other and ask each other like real questions and give kind of honest and um you know deeper answers that don't 
that aren't, you know, that aren't kind of like, um, as outcomes oriented, just because there aren't as many mm-hmm. outcomes happening right now. Yeah. But I think that in, in reality, like we're, we're creating a whole different outcome and a whole different level of potentiality because of these conversations. So I want to thank you guys for creating this platform and for inviting me to just oh, wrap thanks, with it all because it's really, really fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's been so fun and interesting having you on. Yeah, like, thank you. Yeah, it's always I'm going to be thinking about this all evening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's too. thanks for joining us and for being able to sort of chat through these. I I mean, it's a real pleasure for us to be able to have you because uh and we've been lucky I think to have friends and collaborators and other folks who even reached out to us to have conversations like this because this is not I mean, I push these conversations on everybody in my life, but not everybody wants to have them. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean it when I say push them on people. So it's, um, <laughs> but it's like such a delight because I don't, just being able to think deeply about this stuff, we don't even have to arrive at conclusions. We don't even um, have to like have some profound moment just to be able to say like, oh, the things that we're doing are good <laughs> or the things that we're doing aren't good. Yeah. Um, it's so important and so pivotal. Yeah. I think in all of our work, all the, the three of us, and I'm sure folks are listening too, um, yep. it, it plays such a key role. So thank you so much for sharing that and your experience. Um, and yeah, if folks want to check out uh, Alex's work or work with her on some stuff, it's agency.alexhammondstudio.com. Um, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much. Okay. I love you. We'll talk love soon. Take Bye. care. Okay. Bye. Find and subscribe to People Not Things wherever you listen to podcasts. Our music was created by Mary Blount. If you'd like to be on the podcast or have feedback about the podcast, please let us know at peoplenotthings.party. That's right, we don't have a .com, it was taken, so it's peoplenotthings.party. This podcast is a production of Llama 6, our creative studio. We focus on brand, visual identity, website design, and a whole lot more. We've worked with tiny early stage startups and giant brands. So if you're looking to take that next step with your marketing or creative work, let us know. We're there to help. Until next time.